Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Mean, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello. Justin Robert Young. Well, hello, sir. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello. A village is terrorized. People are in fear. Sorry, I'm sorry. Look, I'm just yeah, I show Bryce, up every week. Look, we've all what? been talking, and you, your 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 thing with this village is starting to boil over, man. Like, look, they're taking this is all real, the clean this is real water. They're taking eight, all my good water. This is real season eight Daenerys of you. Uh, yes. It's a bit also, out of character also, and 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 really really aggressive. When we say village, we mean video village, and the terror is that this reality show isn't working according to plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's me doing that? Yes, you. Oh, your fault. Big time. Cool. <laughs> so sometimes you read an article and you're like, man, the reporter is just going way overboard because like they're like, man, I gotta I I have to cover this and I might as well just make it everything I can. Yep. So a village is being terrorized by a bandit doing blank. Okay. Bad and improv. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot. It's a common problem. <laughs> the shocking turn of events takes, is taking place in the pretty countryside village of Wonorish in Surrey. It's home to just over 3,000 people with residents understandably rocked by the recent incidents. Understandably rocked. All I know is that Bryce just pulled it up and I can't see what it is. All I saw was Bryce's face and it was a visible look of horror. <laughs> like he 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 just did a silent like, oh. I no longer like being the joke, the funny joke character at the beginning nope, of the segment. this is Bryce. <laughs> Bryce is, whenever you think of whatever this person did, think of Bryce Nescom Castillo. I'm trying to think of what epic anthem conveys understandably rocked. Like you've been understandably rocked, rocked? by a very mild hurricane. <laughs> Oh, there we go. So I'm going to tell you there's something a little goofy about this, too. And the end of it, um, once we know what it is, I'm going to read there. There are two quotes that I think are completely BS, and I accuse the reporter of having made these up. But okay. we have to just do this. We are starting, we are starting wow. hot. Yeah. We are starting no, no, no. hot on the Weird uh, Things welcome podcast. Welcome to Libel, the series. It's a crop, Justin. All right. Let's go. All right. Guesses. Uh, what has these people in fear? Uh, uh, is it human? What? So these the, are people. Okay. Well, I guess the people are human. People. But it takes but, a village to raise a people. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Um, is it a supernatural creature? We have no evidence that it's not. Yeah. All right, can you give me give me the, okay. the, the phrasing of the article again? I, I have to cut off part of it. Village terrorized rocked. by yeah. bandit blank 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 blank. By bandit blank okay. blank blank. So who uh former uh, member of Scorpions. <laughs> former yeah. <laughs> there, it, uh, it's uh, the who, all right, so but people are horrified by it. I I, I would say, I mean does it involve excrement? Like, are we talking about poo poo and no, pee pee? No, it's got to be like a like a like a crazy raccoon. I don't know. Andrew just gave me the the the, the, the finger before. I don't know. Is it poo poo and pee pee? Uh, Am I uh, I'm on the uh, right trail? No, the, no, the, no, it is not. It's not. Okay. Poop, poop, 
poop. Well, I took both of them out there, poo poo and pee pee. Yeah. Well, now I'm I've said it, so I'm still gonna say a poop flinging raccoon. Mm. No, that's yeah. Bandit. Uh, stealing children's uh souls. Uh oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, ruining (laughs) their MP3 collections. Yeah, just it's changing all the names. It's it's screwing up the ID3 tags. Exactly. So all of a sudden, it's got the wrong artist in the name. I want to play that gin and juice cover by (laughs) by Ween. By Ween. Weird Al. Oh, it's all still the gourds. There is a word rhymed with something there. You just said, "Oh, Ween, mm-hmm. Sheen, mm-hmm. Peen, no, Fiend, no, James Ice Dean, Ice Cream, no, Sheen, uh, no, Philippine, no, Cream, no, Dream, no, Serene." No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ween. Zine. <laughs> no. He's terrorizing people with his queen? bad writing. Queen. Zine. Yeah. With his. With <laughs> Is his, it Queen? With his, his zero no. his Xerox copies of his typewritten newsletters. <laughs> Bean. Yes. Thank you. Spoilers in the chat. This is also not the story that I found and reacted to. <laughs> now okay. realizing this. All right. All right. So a bean bandit. Stealing all the beans. Uh, Taking it to the bean market, the black bean market. I mean, I understand if they're human beings. I'm not going anywhere near that. Uh, uh, No, no, I'm not. I'm just going to refuse. I'm papering right right, over it. You ready? Because that would be a human who got kidnapped. Not even going near it. Go ahead. You ready? Andrew (laughs) May. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Village Terror I like yeah the the link is so close so on the nose too Uh, Village Terrorized by Bandit pouring baked beans through letter boxes (laughs) (laughs) Hold on Hold on (laughs) Baked Bean Bandit Rains Hellfire (laughs) So so what, what is Hellfire from a Baked Bean Bandit a bake. This is from the uh, metro.co.uk. Uh, and uh, this is uh, Joe Roberts. Um, Joe Roberts is clearly um, journalism school paid off. A baked bean bandit is emptying cans of the good stuff all over village in a sticky reign of terror. Okay, all, all, let's count maybe, the all, puns. Yeah, hold on, hold on. First of all, they're terrorized by it. Also, yeah. a bandit is somebody who steals something. This is just a bad Santa Claus. Ooh, also, yeah. in the a article, vandal, a vandal, not open, a bandit. The opening line is. Of the good stuff, yeah. Like, so oh, he, he gets, clearly oh, loves no, British people. Counts. British people love beans, man. For real, count, British yeah, people count, love beans. Count the puns. Brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The mystery vandal has been covering doorsteps, homes, and cars with the famous orange sauce, as that's what we all call it. <laughs> Cops are now urging anyone with information to spill the beans. Of course. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right, we get we get one sentence without a pun. The shocking turn of events is taking place in the pretty countryside village of Wanarish in Surrey. Uh, More like Slurry. I will just over three thousand people with residents understandably rocked by the recent incidents. I will I will say in defense 
of this article. <laughs> it's a nonviolent crime that everybody will. Oh, has, we'll see. I mean, We're going to see if it's nonviolent. Everybody has some kind of connection to the idea of whether or not, like, they found their own personal belongings drenched in beans. Like, so, yes, it, it is tabloid writing, but I don't know. I find it to be a, a more interesting read than if they wrote it straight. I mean, also, let's take a moment and focus on the morality of this. Um, who's more moral? This guy, a bad Santa, or the Hamburglar? Because the Hamburglar straight up is stealing people's hamburgers. Well, you're depriving people of value if you're putting this in their car or just, you know, putting things through a mailbox and destroying yeah. things. Wait, how, how fancy does the food have to get before you join me on my side? Uh, let me... Eggs Benedict? You, I want to read to you the final closing parts, and I want to see who's... Whose, whose side we're on here. Okay. I mean, I am on the side of justice. Let me just say, I'm not here to defend the bean bandit. All I am saying it's is... not a bandit if he's giving him gifts. He's a, ba- he's oh, a, I'm a sorry. bad Santa. The bean vandal. The, the, the bean, bean Santa. I'm not calling him the bean Santa. Um, Come on. I'm, I'm more... I think the real, the real culprit here is the reporter. So... Uh, <laughs> Can we get back to how bad the writing is? However, some residents have seen the funny side while urging police to catch the criminals. One person wrote online, hope you catch those horrendous criminals. Otherwise, house prices and water shall plunge. Okay. Another <laughs> joked. I wonder if this really took place. What? Hope you catch these horrendous criminals. Oh, what half-baked idiots would do this? I hope they get thrown in the can. <laughs> and then somebody else wrote, absolutely Heinz is Kansas crime. <laughs> it sounds like everyone's having a good time. I mean, I mean, <laughs> sounds like everybody's having a good time. Riders having a good time. The Bean Man's having a good time. Or woman. It's 2021. Uh, uh, <laughs> this does sound like a pitch at like HBO Max. He's like, all right, it's Santa Claus, right? You're thinking Santa you Claus. You and the Santa Claus. Okay. Except it sounds for like a pitch in your head. You he keep gives, saying Santa Claus. He gives to the good and the bad, and it's beans. Huh? That sounds uh, like a pitch for HBO Max. Yes, it does. Not just a thing that's in your head, because it sounds indistinguishable from just a random musing thought that you would have. Well, I mean, look, uh, some of us are really good at pitching to I, HBO Max. I, I, yeah, I'm like, well, the channel that brought you Raised by Wolves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Beans. Beans. Uh, I just... I just the idea of the writer sitting there and writing that last absolutely Heinz's crime, you know, it's like it doesn't even run with heinous. It's like it's like this is just, if I he mean, didn't make uh, that up, what, what you, he shouldn't have used it. You know what happened was he leaned over to the cubicle next to him and and he had a friend who was like, All right, come on, pitch me some stuff. I oh, know that was a tweet. Uh, or that uh, was that was social media chatter. Wait, he wait, pulled that from out of really we don't we don't know. He, it's it's was online, that wonderful ah. place where reporters can find whatever data details they want. I will oh, it say, was online. I don't doubt it was online, that somebody guys. wrote a crappy line like that and he took it. Like, I, I, I don't know where is the greater uh, uh, sunbeam of dignity that he Sun, wrote sunbeam. an awful uh, thing or that he found uh, the, that he found it online. Either one is equally bad. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know which, which we'd, we'd prefer him to have if we, if we were fighting on Not his side. Not put it in. Not do it. That's. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Although, I don't know. It's a, it's a silly little story about beans. 
So a little story about beans. I mean, like, look, somebody got in their mailbox. That's fine. That's bad. Nobody should do it. You shouldn't put beans in, in, in people's things. Stop putting <laughs> beans places where they don't belong, England. Knock it off. We're looking at you. But okay, Justin Fauci telling us what we can't do. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm just saying. It's just a bad, it's bad bean etiquette. Nobody that. wants to be fast. that in. Andrew just turned on Justin. This is the best episode we've done. I'm just saying. It's a, nobody likes a beanman. The beanist. Bean, bean town. Bean. Fake beans, man. What are, what are you going to do? Stop putting them places. Hey. The beano, beano factor. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a Mino Bino. <laughs> hey, Patreon.com up on the Bean Streets, man. Weird things is where you go to support this high quality program, bringing you <laughs> top news that you would not find anywhere else. Yeah, dude. Uh, we don't get paid like Wall Street. We get paid like Bean Street, and uh, we need a little <laughs> bit of beans from you guys. Just a buck an episode. That's all we yeah. ask. Head on over to Patreon.com/slash/WeirdThings. Go ahead and crack Weird the can things. open and spill it all out on our letterbox. <laughs> A, a can of money all on our car. I mean, let me get to the Pinto. Um, the, <laughs> we need your money. And look, I don't mean to rehash, refry all this stuff. I know, I know. You look, can't just say the word that you're replacing because refry yeah, doesn't work. I, okay. I just want to say if we don't get it, we're very, very hard on each other and... and Brian will give me a black eyed. Oh, wait, it's a P. That's yeah, not dude. A uh, look, we all love doing drugs. And if we're going to get baked, we need your money. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, Patreon.com so, slash weird things. A uh, different story, a little more serious now. And this okay. is a thing that's gone on for a couple of years. I don't think we've talked about this. Can we pause real quick before you set up the story? Uh, I have uh, like Andrew, seven more bean what, buns. Uh, Bryce, what was the thing that you found? <laughs> we. Uh, um, is it is it not appropriate for us to transition from such frivolity into whatever horrified you? It's not. It's very gory and bad. Can you text it? I'll text it to you. Text it to me, and this is just going to be me reacting to what uh, what would Bryce react to, but I will do it on mic because I'm a professional. <laughs> okay, I will email it to you because I I'll email it to you. How about that? Okay. Uh, All right. Hold on. This is going to be a great it's setup. The, uh, and it's, it's, it's from the French periodical uh, Legumes. Mm. <laughs> Uh, but it's from our friends at the, uh, the New York Post. The New York Post. Okay, here we go. It's a bit. It's a bit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's pretty. I, yeah, I thought we were going a different direction. Oh, my. You thought we were saying that you were this, that this was a bandit? I didn't know. I tried. You Why know, on earth would you think this was a bandit? <laughs> also, I couldn't find the bean bandit. Isn't it? Should I say it or should I text it to Andrew? You I feel we need to text, text it to Andrew. It's, yeah, yeah right, just text it because it's not. Oh, there's a picture yeah, there's of it. Pictures. Oh, there's, God. There, don't scroll. There's way more pictures. It's not great. Um, there's a lot of. Jeez Louise. <laughs> oh, my God. Why would you think that he would set this up like that? Because Price. when you Google that, that really terrified. reveals like what you think of Andrew. <laughs> when you Google that a village is being terrorized, it shows like <laughs> this and not like, beans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it's close well, to bean. The, the word I'll is read close the headline. to bean. Okay. Now let me read the headline. Wait, hold uh, on. Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, Brian, do you want to see? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, um, all right. Scrolling down. Christ on a... <laughs> 
Yeah. Jeez, uh, no, you can't curse. Sorry. Although you did bring this on yourself, Bryce. I didn't. <laughs> you brought this on yourself. That dude has. All right. Okay. Read, the, read the headlines. Just, just the uh, Alaska man survives horrific bear attack after being bitten in the head. How would that be a bandit, Bryce? <laughs> A well, the village terrorized bandit. by a bear. This was in. I mean, a, to, uh, this is in, in look, Golconda defense, Village. They got a picture with the word "village" on it. In Bryce's defense, this is closer to banditry than the guy who gives beans to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like this dude. This dude was robbed of an eye. <laughs> there yeah. was at least banditry happening. There's some. Yeah. So, so you uh, would think. Uh, uh, so so in 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 the metro writing of this headline, it would be um, big bear bandit brazenly bites hey, six boo, beans. Boo. Hey, yeah. Let's go buy the guy. <laughs> oh no! The bears. The bears are out for more than picnic baskets in Alaska. <laughs> Eye for an eye up in the great According beyond. to one, uh, according to a man who was attacked, he said, I guess you could say I got a boo-boo. <laughs> no? Uh, that's where you're going to leave me hanging. No, it's fine. I deserve the way out. You got it. You nailed it. Yeah. Uh, uh, poor guy. That's like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and by poor guy, I mean you, Andrew, for having your 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 news value assailed by Bryce Neshkov Castillo, who believed that that was the story you were leading into. He could have just sent me the link. I had to Google everything. I had to Google just what a, just, what a, just disgusting, Bryce. You're just a disgusting behavior by you. Like he's got rabies, but he's just foaming beans at the mouth. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, uh, please, Andrew, set up the story you were going to say so Bryce can horrifyingly misinterpret this one, too. Uh, it's already pretty disturbing by itself. Um, uh, Vice President Harris was headed for Vietnam and the flight had gotten delayed for a few hours. And the reason it apparently was is and we talked about the Havana syndrome before. I think we have. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, uh, so in Havana, in the embassy, there were a number of people that had. Um, Sort of a mishmash of 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 uh, uh, medical effects of uh, 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 fatigue, migraines, uh, confusion, brain fog, difficulty sleeping, uh, uh, all of these things, and it was seemed kind of like a concussion symptoms. Correct, and it was it was supposed. Last time I paid attention to this, it was supposed that there was a low frequency or high frequency microwave beam. Being a bean, uh, 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 being shot at them, so uh, uh, that was messing with their heads. Uh, uh, but it's unclear because we do know that that the so-called placebo effect is so powerful that it was entirely possible that that they were having a, a hysterical event. Because, for example, in junior high schools, there has been. Uh, uh, once word gets around that there's a natural gas leak or whatever, like all of a sudden it's truly infectious. The panic becomes uh, manifests as real symptoms and, and, and everybody does become ill, but it's not from any kind of uh, action. It's, it's from the hysteria surrounding it. Uh, what I don't know, Andrew, and what I would love to find out is whether or not there turned out to be any evidence supporting uh, that being a, a, a black ops situation well we don't know but the thing is is that that the first thing was like oh maybe it's you know so it's placebo but then there apparently there's been evidence of traumatic injuries they've been able to see damage damage or issues with people like brain injuries etc so 
beyond, you know, when you get the thing like the placebo effect and there was like the Pokemon effect kind of things, you know, sometimes those things you could sort of, and I think that it is, you know, one answer was, oh, it's just hysteria. The other answer is like, maybe there is some unknown factor I haven't thought of or the idea that it could be some sort of directed sound weapon used by some third party, which all the symptoms like that, that have been described seem extremely, if you said, okay, if you rule out the other things and said this was intentional, then um, it could be, it could be, there's different ways, different frequencies, different kinds of ultrasonics that could do stuff like this. So you know, there could also be chemical, could be other thing. It, you know, the idea that there was, you know, some bad actor, state actors, or some group from some other foreign power that decided to, you know, F with us. And one of the things is you get, you know, you get smaller countries, you get like, you know, a place like Iran and North Korea, this kind of asymmetrical sort of stuff is kind of sort of what they like to do because, and not to blame them, um, they're not even assuming it's happening, but if it is, but sort of a thing where they can take little pot shots at stuff like that. So, so uh with this idea and it's certainly been around for a couple of years now how hmm. understood by you know a uh, uh, science would it would it be how how on the fringe of uh of reasonability is it because uh, it always like struck me whenever i've read about it that it, it it is reported at least as something that is not commonly in use and this would be a a a novel first use of such a weapon um, I mean, there's disclosed and undisclosed stuff. I mean, there's as far as like, well, there's been a lot of research, like you can see, I don't know, Bryce, if you look up, look up like, uh, uh, military sound walls or things like this, these are things we've seen deployed and used, which are large scale ones for like trying to divert crowds, Yeah. but you could use a more targeted or specific one. The idea that somebody's building, cause you can use ultrasonic, you can do, a uh, phased arrays to basically like you have a bunch of smaller things that reinforce and you can project stuff to do sound projection. Oh, uh, like this. Uh, infrasound cool. is what I was thinking of that, uh, that that's the low end stuff. That's the way that, uh, allegedly, um, uh, in addition to trumpet sounds, uh, 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 because they're so large elephants are able to do infrasound, uh, uh, waves that create, uh, there, there's definitely a known effect at some number of Hertz, where it it's below the range of audible sound, but it creates feelings of dread and suspicion, and and it's thought that um, in many haunted houses, there's uh, pipes that happen to vibrate at exactly this sound, and that's why people you know uh, get you know vaguely creeped out when they're in certain places. Yes, we're looking at different examples of different kinds of like crowd deterrent, different sound weapons, and these things are sort of large scale, but the idea that you know, I mean, it's possible. I mean, who, who? we just don't have enough details. And it's like, you know, anything that's sort of involving the State Department or security officials, et cetera, it's like, you're just not going to get a lot of details out about that. Well, and plus also, man, what a, what a perfect um, testing ground where if you want to be a bad actor, that's something that leaves no trace behind that in general, nobody bothers to have sensors to find out whether or not you're underneath you know, a, a, an assault, a sonic assault of whatever variety. Um, it, it, it just seems so low stakes and it would be so hard to find out who did it that if, if you're, if you're any number of bad actors who just quote unquote want to mess with but, the U S people, that's, that's a pretty good way to do it. That being said, 
we can we have instrumentation to determine whether or not sounds are happening and what sounds are happening if not where they're coming from right uh correct but those things cost money and yeah. the question is do you want to outfit every single place any u.s actor ever will stay whether it's in a hotel whether it's you know it's like it's got to be got to be an app uh well <laughs> i mean it, it, if there is you would think that it would be affordable enough that we would install one right here at HQ. And yet I can't be bothered to do it because it seems so unlikely. And for us to be attacked by a sonic weapon. Uh, correct. And yet, uh, uh, and that? also we don't He's know like how dangerous. You. Hey, <laughs> yeah, no, nope, terrorists. Nope, 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 nope. In your nope. face, we're impervious to sound. Look, we don't no. like it. God, wait, we already have this is a recording studio. Feel yeah. Very... We harness sound for our, we've broken Whoa. it on our, Whatever. and, and, and <laughs> we don't, this has been a thing going on for several years. If if I was tasked with like embassy security or something along those lines, you the thing about some of these sounds is you might be able to do things like put up microphones in certain places to sort of detect that. But you know, you look for patterns, you look for patterns of attack, you look for this, you try to locate when and where and whatnot. And there are ways to sort of track it down, but we wouldn't know what's going on. We wouldn't know, ideally, we wouldn't know what the state of the investigation is. Um and sometimes too, statecraft is weird, you know, you know, like you'll hear about, oh, there was this big hack. And then like, we, we know who did it, but we also know that they did it in retaliation for something else that we did or perceived or whatever. And that's where it gets all kind of like, I, I think the other thing that was really fascinating about the Havana stuff was that it is this very interesting junction of geopolitical, uh, of, you know, heavyweights and certainly has been in the past. Uh, uh, and, and even continues to be just, you know, it's an interesting place for an American embassy to be. Obviously there are foreign embassies that are very well represented there. So it really could be anybody. Like if you are trying to stir, stir the drink, uh, there would be a lot of possibilities of, of whom it could be. What, what it reminds me of is, uh, in the 1950s and sixties at the height of the cold war, uh, during, uh, uh, one of the flaps where a lot of people were reporting UFOs and strange aerial phenomenon. Uh, number one, uh, those, those waves always were in sync with what was on the news. It's on the news that we're going to the moon. People go out for the first time in a long time. They look at the sky. They see weird stuff that they don't understand. And, they reported as UFOs. Also, during the Cold War, U.S. is doing a lot of weird stuff, dropping dummies, you know, out of buildings just to get a sense of, is it possible to survive, you know, uh, uh, however fall, far of a fall, uh, uh, dropping flares and all that stuff. And it's in the military's interest to let everybody be convinced they're little green men, flying saucers and all that stuff. You're like, great, yeah, no, believe that. So uh, weirdly... Uh, for pennies on the dollar, you, in one in one branch, you could be a bad acting foreign entity that does use infrasonic or microwave transmissions and mess with everybody at every embassy, at, uh, wherever. Or for pennies on the dollars, uh, you can pay to put that story out there, in which case it will achieve pretty much the same effect, which is to make Americans a little bit more on edge and nervous whenever they leave the country to, uh, on whatever diplomatic mission they're, they're, they're doing. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, maybe they did something. Maybe it's cheaper to just instill the fear that somebody's doing something. Did we, we've talked about this before, the, the thing the called, and espionage was called the thing or the great seal bug. 
I don't remember. I, this yeah, is a story. I, yeah, no, no, no. Repeat it, please. So uh, in 1945, uh, right before the end of World War II, a delegation of the Young Pioneer Organization of the Soviet Union presented a carving to Ambassador Harriman as a gesture of friendship, as a you know, in significance of our uh, alliance with the Soviets. It hung in his Moscow residential study for seven years until somebody got curious and they realized, and it is a weird, it is a very suspicious looking thing, too, yeah. by the way. Um, they, they would do like normal, like a lot of times these things, they would do sort of scans or sweeps to see this sort of thing. It, do, it does look vaguely like a magic prop. Like uh, if, yes. if you were to tell me that you picked this up on your journeys to India and somewhere in there was a prediction, I would, I would immediately know that there's something up. Yeah, so when they opened it up, they found inside of there a <laughs> passive system for listening. And what it would do is that when you would, it was kind of like RFID, to, you would aim sort of a radio signal, you transmit a radio yeah. signal, and that would give it enough power so that when things were activated on the microphone, you could pick up sounds that would send it, rebroadcast it back out. Turn it off, no power, no nothing. If you're trying to look for a bug, other than the fact there's some suspicious piece of metal in there, you would never know. I was just listening to uh, an episode of Darknet Diaries where they were talking about one of the first uh, big uh, 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 moments where America realized that they were behind in some of the espionage stuff was a sweep through the Moscow embassy where they tore out all of the, uh, eventually they, they tore out all of the typewriters because the typewriters were logging everything that was being written and broadcast with that same technology. Holy cow. There was when we built the, we built the new U S embassy in Moscow and we had to completely gut it because they were doing things. They were putting diodes into yeah. the concrete blocks and they went through layer by anything and everything they could possibly do to build. It. And that's the thing you kind of forget about when you build an embassy is it like, it's not hard to bug these things. Uh, and I suppose back back to my earlier point, um, whether or not these things were effective is almost immaterial. In that that they're certainly effective in that they make you <laughs> overspend on your embassies and and defend against things that maybe aren't even being done. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, to an extent, I mean, they, you you know, the Soviets had a sort of a different approach towards control and what they would do. But uh, they they became extremely vulnerable because we had we took this technological edge and like you know it was kind of assumed that like the entire t Soviet telephone system you know we would we would go in there and we had it bugged like basically anything that was in like West East Germany whatever we had we would go in there put in our own cables we'd go into the transatlantic any type of cable systems they ran that would bug that and so we had a tremendous amount of electronic and espionage going there, which of course creates the information problem. By the way, do you know the name of the creator of this device? No. Uh, no. Leon Theremin. <laughs> the same of, 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 of the Connecticut Theremins? No, but best known inventor of the Theremin. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. That's good. And his favorite food, baked bean. <laughs> he used to ride a bear around town and scare people with his theremin sounds. You could always hear him coming in the distance. 
<laughs> Man, what is so real life, this guy? It is the music. So, 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 so f- f- filled with such frivolity and, and uh, uh, such espionage. <laughs> so I have a, another story, which is maybe somewhat of kind of a hopeful story. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't ruin this that- one, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Bryce. He keeps throwing you under the I'm box. just saying. It's not fair. It's, I'm, so, I'm just busting his beads. Uh, we've... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good. That one was good. Uh, so we've talked a bit about the ongoing drama involving SpaceX and Blue Origin, and mm-hmm. Blue Origin, uh, Blue Origin just filed has filed like a lawsuit or a protest to try to stop SpaceX from launching, like you know, making an addendum to their plans for more Starlink satellites because Bezos and Blue Origin they have their project Kuiper, which you know is competitor to Starlink. And so uh, there's been kind of a lot of talk lately about, man, just a lot of, lot of litigious things going on there. Uh, but on another kind of on the technical front, apparently there is a project within Blue Origin called Project Jarvis, where they have a separate team working on trying to make for their, their, they're building their, their new Glenn heavy lift rocket and start this group is trying to see if they can make this thing uh, the upper stage reusable. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, what does that look like right there? Where would you think that we're showing you videos from or photos from? I mean, it, it, uh, well, uh, uh, 10 years ago, I would say that's a grain silo. Uh, yeah. two years ago, I would say that looks like the coast of Texas. And that definitely looks like SpaceX's, uh, stage one of, of their, uh, uh BFR. It's actually launch complex 36 in Florida. I was going to say, yeah, the, the beach origin. looks, yeah, yeah, the beach looks very uh, space coasty. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 crazy. And uh, I'm, again, we're 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 fans of Blue Origin here, uh, and and I do. I'm always excited when I I see them doing big stuff. But I would presume that a lot of the 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 lawsuits are literally just to try and delay as they continue to progress. Right, like that. That this is, you know, if, if if space is truly the trillion dollar frontier, then just try to jockey for position. Yeah, part of it is Bezos had been campaigning for several years for the idea of a return to the moon. Um, and if you ever get a chance, watch his presentation he did on, you know, their their plans for going to the moon, et cetera. And he's it's, he's super excited about space. He's guy's been spending billions of dollars on this. He. He'd been lobbying heavily. Part of the reason why, you know, maybe, you know, buying the Washington Post, you know, and, and getting such not so that they can run your copy as you want, but to get more influence in that town. And part of it serves the idea of like, hey, let's go return to space. For him, the idea that they did not get selected kind of personally stung a lot, I yeah. assume. And so that's why they keep, you know, the, the lawsuits, but it's kind of like, it's sort of like, well, you know, this is. It's just kind of get a little, uh, you know, maybe Awkward. a little bit. Oh, yeah. But anyhow, but I'm excited to hear on the engineering side that they're working on upper stage reusability, that that's, that's, that's yeah. a pursuit. And, and it may be a separate team that's doing this that have been traditionally, because my, if you ask me what I think the problem was with, with Blue Origin is they wanted to create a new space company and they just hired a bunch of old space people and ran it like an old space company. Yeah. And that's what they got. So I got a weird question that, I don't know if we've explored before. How would we feel uh, at, at this point? You know, uh, Blue Origin is definitely you know Pepsi to 
Tesla or, or sorry, SpaceX is Coke or whatever. Um, and they're fighting over what seems to be a scarce resource, which is American taxpayer money. Uh, how would we feel if tomorrow Amazon announced, hey, we just signed a deal with Japan. We, we build and run rockets for Japan. Japan's going to go to the moon next week. Like you mean uh, Blue Origin? Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Did I say SpaceX? Amazon. Uh, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah Blue but, Origin. Yeah, 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 Blue yeah, Origin. Yeah. 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 Uh, like, 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 is there, is there any amount of, of sort of, um, uh, uh, uh I, I don't know, patriotic, uh, obligation that we have to, to, to feel good about that? Uh, I mean, it depends. Like SpaceX does launches for other countries all the time. And as long as you're not violating your ITAR and if, if let's say the Japanese space agent Jax, the Japanese space agency came in and said, Hey, like, uh, we want to help fund this. We want to help do this. I think that if the goal was, well, we're going to put Japanese astronauts on the moon, you know, that's primary cause. Before that the U.S. Have, like, 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 like in, in other words, like, it's almost like the space race is happening, only it's two American competitors uh, one, sponsored one, by two, one di- two, two different, like a different country. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the optics, and if you're trying to compete, I mean, a big, a big, a, the biggest contractor for space launch services is the U S government. Yeah. And if you are trying to win over people in Congress, you should not be you doing want to get, yeah, you want to get space force launches and do you want to keep doing this sort of stuff? You've got to think about that carefully. Yeah, I, I think the, the 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 reality of it is that the money's here, and so be it government, private, like like there's there's no one who's going to spend the kind of coin over the period of time that America's going to spend. Yeah, I I I I I, I... <laughs> Prince MBS, first man on the moon. <laughs> now that yeah, I think uh, if if you're gonna first see somebody on Mars, stretch sorry, it, sorry. Like if you're going to see somebody stretch it, then, then yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly some one-time use, uh, of, you know, fees, some eye popping fees that could probably emanate out of certain countries in the middle East. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wonder if there's not a way to navigate that where it's like, let's say you pick, you pick all of, all of the U S's everybody's on the U S most favored nation list They're You know, I don't know. I'm thinking Canada, some Scandinavian countries, the uh, England, say Japan or whatever. And it's like you form a consortium and all of them kick in cash and you're like, uh, uh, yeah, look, uh, SpaceX, it appears like you've got all that U.S. money. We're going to take the rest of the money and we're, we're also so, going to go. Here's the thing. NASA's budget is greater than the space budgets for every other country combined. combined yeah. Just yeah. about. I mean, hard so, to know. So, so some, if, some if, of the if, defense if the things get, make it funky, but yeah. Yeah. If, if, if the math doesn't work out, then that makes sense. Um, I'm, I guess I'm mainly speculating on the, uh, the political threading. You're just, needle. you're just trying to get us to the, 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 uh, uh all Valley karate tournament at the end. Pretty, where, pretty much. Yeah, or, 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 just, or basically a NASCAR race you right? want, where yeah. it's, where it's just like, you know, different sponsors. Is there any scenario in which right. Bezos could be like, well, screw you America. I'm going to go. Right, I'm get... going to learn from Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Let's go. And yeah. then he's fist bumping the queen and, and yeah. you know, like, I live in London now. Like, let's go to space chaps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, as long as you're not bringing 
technology to a country that you're not allowed to bring technology to, you can certainly, that's certainly doable and feasible. And, you know, the other side of it is that, you know, we've been for the past 30 years, we've been in a partnership with the Russians for a space station and not exactly the best good faith partners in many cases or situations. I, I, I suppose that's part of the reason that I would even consider it a possibility that, that you could make such an audacious move is the fact that, that we've only had one option for about 10 years and it yeah, was crazy. There's some people that argue that we shouldn't have done that though. Some people argue that, that because, you know, we, we brought them on board because we, our money could go further there to help provide. And they have a tremendous amount of technological capabilities from the Soviet era. Uh, we don't do any kind of partnerships at that level of China, um, and because we see them as a more clear technological threat. Right. And, the fears right. Well, that- and, and, and also, they have a fairly well-earned reputation for uh, being less than discreet about respecting intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you certainly... I, I think that if you phrase it like you're building an international co- you know, consortium to go do this sort of thing, but it's just, it comes down to where the money is. And, you know, that, 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 and for also working with the advantage of work of NASA is that NASA's got a tremendous amount of institutional knowledge. You know, yeah. the, the, how do we make regolith so we can make sure that, you know, our, our space shoots aren't going to tear apart? How do we do this sort of stuff? NASA, you know, we joke about how inefficient it can be and whatnot over time, but, also, it's got an accumulated tremendous amount of knowledge. The people there, you know, are best in the world and I super mean, extreme. There are not a lot of data yeah, exactly. that, that you can go through. And there's not a lot of people that are used to working with the kind of budgets that NASA has. Right. Like, yeah. And that, that organizationally, it's, it's hard to just put a bunch of people that haven't, you know, are generations deep in working with gigantic heretofore unseen amounts of money and scale. The, and, and there's... I just get an example too. Like I watched, I was watching a Scott Manley video and he was showing research into centrifuges in China that affects on, uh, you know, humans. And they showed stuff that the Soviets had done and what we had done. And these were huge room sized, not the guy sitting in the little tiny cockpit, were room sized facilities that were spun around, like at an angle to sort of like a 45 degree angle to sort of like, you know, get this, you do this sort of, you know, get this sort of other effect to see this. If you go look at like Scott Manley, uh, artificial gravity, Bryce, you'll see some video that's just, um, I'm like, you look at the scale of what we're doing. This is stuff we're doing like the sixties. We're building these things and it's really impressive. And the Soviets show this, you know, facility that somebody's walking through and you're like, Oh, this is what Kubrick was looking at when he was thinking up ideas for 2001. And so like, yeah, we've spent so much money and done so much research over years. Uh, I would like to take just a moment to thank all, all three of you gentlemen for doing the type of show that begins with somebody throwing beans the at beans. cars <laughs> and ends with inter, international global politica, politicking and, and space budgets. It's what we do here, Brian. It's what we do. <laughs> so here's a, we're looking at a video of a guy in a giant hamster wheel that's spinning. And we're looking down as he's spin, walking around. Uh, and so he seems to be walking comfortably, but this, this, this is actually, uh, yeah, he's sideways. So so he's probably at two or three G that's crazy. That's nuts. And then there's uh, we're looking at kind of like these spinning things. So, and then like one of these big, the big room size stuff. But then when you get into some of the older footage, you know, there's this, uh, thing basically looks like a mobile home. We'll see in another, another shot. This is ESA. 
which is doing that the European Space Agency. This is a guy testing to see how fast, you know, how fast they can spin something to. Um, and, you know, Before the point it passes at which you be, out. Yeah, it's how they tried to kill James Bond. Oof. Uh, what we're getting here. Five Gs. Wow, eight Gs. Oh, my God. That's too many Gs. A body weight of like, 720 Where did Tony kilograms. go? There's just a bunch of jello in here. <laughs> oh, man. It's not doing good stuff to his face. Yeah. It's, it's really pushing him back there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, see if you can scan ahead and find like the, the, the large room-sized ones. Uh, like, I had no idea they built them these at the scale. Well, uh, 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 keep in mind, I, I, I do think it's worth uh, remembering that part of the space race was the practical going to various places, but but another part was like the world's craziest PR war. It, 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 yeah. was, it was like with a straight face, who could act like they, they were this close to the biggest, craziest thing? Yeah, we had a Soviet cosmonaut. He's now he's in a centrifuge throwing arrows. Oh, but they're curving. <laughs> they're curving like Angelina Jolie. Oh my goodness! That's so crazy. That's awesome. Here's this woman walking down to the center of the centrifuge, and she's going to walk into down the hallway in this big, cool, like chair lift oh thing that moves her down to this. And then uh, this thing is that this this room is at a forty five degree angle as it spins around, oh, so it's trying so to counteract. Yeah, and you just see her like get out. There's these guys at the control board like pressing buttons like chimps, and that's just. And then you'll see this one that looks like a uh, uh, an airstream trailer, you know, the interior. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So anyhow, it's really cool. Really, really cool history of that. And uh, back to the original story. It's uh, we want more people doing cool stuff in space. We yep. want more of that. And the key is in space, not courtrooms. Uh oh, eh, uh, uh, eh, yeah. smooth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey man, uh, 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 you got any picks, Andrew? I do have picks. Do you want my picks? Do you want to hear your picks? Uh, I want to hear your picks. Yeah. Where are my picks? Stop, stop, stop bogarting your picks, dog. I, my pick is a book that maybe I read a bazillion years ago, and I decided to go back and read this book to see how did I like it. And, and I realized that, man, I really like this book more than I remember, not because it's Watership like, Down. Uh, you know, well, it's it's you know it's uplifting in a depressing sort of way. Mm -hmm. It was a 1980 science fiction novel, and when you read this, if I told you it was written 10 years later, you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But the way the what was written in 1980, kind of amazing. And I'm talking about Michael Crichton's Congo. Oh wow! And the book, the book gets into because if you in the book, forget the movie for a second, please do. The book gets into. It. It's a race between these different teams to try to get to deep into the Congo where they think there's a kind of diamond that could be used for communications, semiconductors, et cetera. And this is 1980. And they talk about they're using computers and satellite communications to try to figure out which path they need to take to try to get to where they're trying to go. And I understand this is pre-World Wide Web. This is even really, I don't even think the internet's mentioned that it was a thing. You know, this is really kind of it's a really cool techno thriller about kind of the logistics of trying to travel and get from point a to point b along with a gorilla that speaks sign language a mysterious lost city and the frustration i have with the movie was that like this was a really the book actually had a pretty it's you know the characters are thin very thin but the story the plotting of the idea of like there's another team trying to get here we've got to go through this part of the congo where first it's like 
civilized areas, but all the political unrest and the governments, you know, the different rebel groups fighting each other, then you get deeper in and there you've got the different tribes and you've got, you know, descript, you know, passages describing, yeah, cannibalism's real. This is still around. It's still a thing that yeah. goes on. By the way, and I think it's like, cannibals are actually pretty nice people, you know, when you talk to them and it's, it's their culture, you know, which not an excuse. So we're net, we're no on cannibalism in case anybody's wondering. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the, the, the story. It's a lot of it, like a lot of Michael Crichton, it's like, here's the process, here's the process, here's the process, but his ability to weave in the technology of it. By the time we got the movie, you know, they made the movie like 15 years later because the success of Jurassic Park, but like, it just left out the idea that there was these teams racing there, the idea of how you're trying to utilize technology and take better paths to get from point A to point B. They invented villains they didn't need, et cetera. But I think it would be great if somebody wanted to turn Congo into like a eight episode yeah. Netflix series. Cause you know, the, cause the, the, you know, the secret is that uh, there are some scary killer apes in the middle of where they're trying to go to. I'll, Tell you what also holds up uh, is uh, I went back and revisited like a couple of years ago, um, uh, Snow Crash, uh, the Neil Stephenson's breakout novel. And, and mm -hmm. he admits that he wrote the book intending for it to be a movie. And um, uh, that's why the visuals are so over the top. And I went back expecting it to be super, super dated. But it holds up it, 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 for, more for the political reasons, like like what seemed like futurism at the time, describing eventually what would be the Internet in the metaverse and so on. Um, you know, that part is is fairly obvious. And now but but meanwhile, what he's describing is complete anarcho libertarian uh, horrific paradise. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, the, it's insane. The one thing that I thought even when I read it was the idea that he couldn't translate Hyrotech couldn't translate the wealth that he had in the online world into the real world. And I, and that was sort of the, the one, like, I love the book, but it was a little bit of a disconnect. Cause like, he's this super big, you know, entrepreneurial kind of guy in the metaverse. Right. But and, in, and, and nowadays we exist as like, Oh, that's a valuable brand. Uh, whereas something like ready player one, the very first thing the dude does is license action figures of himself <laughs> and makes, and he's like, all right, so now I don't have to worry about money. Yeah. And uh, it's weird wish fulfillment in that book, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so I got to pick last week on cord killers. Uh, I, as Akhtar recommended hacks on HBO max uh, over the last week, I watched all 10 episodes and I loved it. Um, and I'm still I'm, I'm going to watch it again to figure out why I love it. Um, it, it, it has a older established character. Think Joan Rivers in Las Vegas, uh, queen of Las Vegas, 2,500 shows established doing the same act every single night, hopping on a plane, goes straight to QVC to sell out of her tchotchkes or whatever. So, uh, stopping if this sounds like something that would appeal to Brian Brushwood. Uh, somebody does a show and then immediately goes and tends to her online store experience um, and, and faces uh, the possible end of her career and is paired with a youngster millennial who, um, uh, like, 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 they literally aren't speaking the same language. Uh, she's like, how is that a joke? There's no punchline. Like, no, it's funny because like, uh, like, like the joke I believe is I had a nightmare last night. I had a voicemail 
And that was the whole joke. And like to, to the older Joan Rivers character, she's like, how is that even a joke? There's no punchline. I was like, well, the joke is who wants a voicemail? And she's like, and, and uh, also the, the youngster takes the gig because she got canceled uh, over, uh, uh, and they say it, it's like, it was one tweet. And they're like, that and uh, 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 57 uh, unnecessary replies that fueled the fire. Uh, it's, I love it. I can't tell which character I identify with the most. Uh, it's if you know Vegas, they represent Vegas very accurately. If you know the uh, 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 the entertainment industry, they represent that very accurately. I'm I'm I loved all of it so much. I can't wait to watch it a second time. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. I gotta I gotta dig into it. But great cast, or at least the 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 the, the leads are very well cast. It seems Including like. uh, uh, Caitlin Olson uh, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, really? Yep. Sweet D is in there. Sweet D. Nice. Uh, I have another HBO pick. It's uh, the old the old White Lotus. You down with the White Lotus? Man. Uh, did you finish it? I did. I Here, finished the uh, White Lotus. What'd you think? Uh, here's, uh, here's, here's what I know about White, o- White Lotus is that it's a murder mystery. And uh, according to a comedy show that I participated in on Tuesday, you, you see some backsides. Uh, that's all I know. Oh, oh! You see some, you see some things. You see some fun times. <laughs> you see some things. Okay. Uh, it's extraordinarily well cast. Uh, it's Mike White. So, have you ever watched a uh, uh, Chuck and Buck or um, look look through his IMDb and and you 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 might see something that you've seen Orange County. Um, you might see something that you have enjoyed in the past. Uh, that he has either written or starred in. He often stars in his own stuff, although oh, he's not. School of Rock. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he was. Did he write that? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah. So, um, he's very, very good at human interactions and awkward human interactions, but is never really afraid to kind of dial things up to an almost like wackety schmackety parody level of bizarreness. Uh. There's some really, really, really good stuff in here. I really enjoyed the characters, and uh, I, I, I don't know if, if you. It's one of those if you watch the first episode and you're into it, then you're gonna be into the rest of it. And if if, if you're not, then you know, a, a, it, it, calling it a murder mystery almost puts an unfair expectation of the idea that you're always going to be looking and you're going to be fed a little bit. It's gonna be like Mayor of Easttown or something like that, where right. the story will take twists and turns. Uh, you the opening scene sets up the fact that somebody's dead and then in the like third to last scene you see somebody die yeah. the rest of it is all about these people interacting and i thought it was well worth it yeah it's it was a little bit of a slow burn but i also really really dug it uh i got to pick go uh i have really gotten into this over the past uh couple of weeks and i i don't know if i picked this last week or or not but uh i'm going to at least double down if i have to on formula one drive to survive on netflix yeah this show rules this is awesome i like this does the same thing for formula one that last chance you did for like junior college football or for or uh, what was it cheer did for the, the competitive cheerleading stuff like it's all about the stories and I think what is really helpful for someone who did not know anything about Formula One, me, uh, was uh, at some point in the first season, they, they're like, hey, did you, did you notice that there are only ever 20 people who play in this sport? Isn't that so easy? And, uh, and it really is. And so 
they, they the seasons are not set up like chronologically. It's not like here's race one and race two. And yeah. race three. It's it's like all based on the characters and the teams. So you might spend one ep- one or two episodes with the Ferrari team. You might spend a, t- a few episodes with the Red Bull team. Here's an episode with the Mercedes team. And it really helps give you an understanding of like the dynamics, what teams do and don't like each other, um, what like success looks like, as well as like, like, you know, uh, there are teams that are designed to not do well. They're supposed to be on the lower end. Fodder. Right. Um, and and that also kind of opens up your mind, right? If you think about racing, you think, well, you're supposed to go for number one. But this is like an ecosystem. It's like an ecosystem, and there have to be mid-tier and low-tier teams. Um, Sounds very really- European. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Bryce, you, you yeah. like There are this. winners and losers yes and we decide who the winners are exactly and as we all we all know from the very beginning at the moment you're born whether or not you're a winner or a loser loser. but we all play our parts but that makes but yes and that also heightens the excitement when a team that is does specifically a training team that is meant to take new drivers and give them formula one time wins a race like it is it's, it's a huge upset when it happens, and it's a great moment. Oh my god! Because it's, it's a great not moment. supposed to happen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. No, I know we uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Bryce, you uh. you seem to have been very charmed by these shows, and specifically mm. in terms of somebody who is not a, a self-described sports fan, uh, you have become more and more into the product itself, the the actual mm. competitions based on your enjoyment of it. Yeah. Have you ever watched Hard Knocks, the HBO series Hard Knocks? I've watched a few episodes of it and uh, and did not really have HBO, I think, when I watched it. Yeah. Uh, and now I do have HBO, so I should go watch it because I, I do. I'm curious because that is... Is it set up differently? Is it like a different type of show? So Hard Knocks is... Uh, and I'd have to check the kind of like template of, of the genre, but I think among the godfathers of this genre, of the like real events uh mm. you know uh, uh, being played out but it's an hbo mainstay it happens during training camp which is happening right now in in nfl football it it, it airs weekly and so you're seeing the things that happened the previous week and so it has like the level of immediacy to it but it is very much in the in the realm of like they follow one or two star players they follow the coaches and then they'll follow the uh you know a few guys that are like on the fringes that are like looking to make the team mm. and then of course you know some make it some don't it almost has like a little reality show sort of uh a, a vibe to it but i was curious considering how charmed you have been with those shows uh, uh yeah. whether or not uh that was that was something yeah i i would like to and uh looking by this poster it, it looks like they're actually doing los angeles this year for hard knocks and i am a a Chargers fan. A Chargers fan. Yeah. Oh, so well, actually, no. I think that might have been last year. Oh, well, I think they're doing it with the Cowboys this year. Ah, gotcha. Well, then I watched last year's. Uh, but but you can watch. Year. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, to your point of like, you know, you were watching the F1 series on right. Netflix, and then I was talking to you on Saturday, and you're like, "Yeah, man, I got to stay fresh for an early morning <laughs> F1 race uh, uh, on on Sunday." Mm-hmm. Like. It, it I, helps I, that my like I watched the show because my friends were into it. Yeah. So that's how I ended up going to attempt to go watch a race or uh, have a brunch watching a race. 
over the weekend is because uh, which by the way i have found is universal to all sports like my enthusiasm for any sport is directly proportional to the number of friends who are into that thing sure. like, like mm. I, I you know uh, uh, up to and including like baseball like i know <laughs> uh, I, I, aside from you uh, uh, my daughter penny has gotten into baseball and now i, I hear all the baseball news and, mm. and by osmosis and uh, I, I think if like three more people that I saw every day were into baseball, you I would, would do I would be yeah, yeah fully but, participating. And what was interesting about football, uh, because I watched Last Chance U and got really into it, and then started watching college football and now NFL, was like I don't I don't really think that there are very many people in my like immediate very close circle of friends who like football who are who who are into it. Um, which is maybe why the Formula One stuff is being fast tracked a little because I have a bunch of friends and it's a, like a really, it's a well known show. Like people, uh, every time I talk to somebody about it, they always say, "Oh, the show's getting more popular. It's bringing more people into the sport and and all that." So, well, and it is funny. Like um, I don't I don't know if this is attention focusing on my part, but since watching Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. I have noticed more soccer games on you know and be, because like well that, now we have a team here in town but 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 but, but they're covering the european you know the premier league and and yeah. i'm recognizing the names and i only know that world from ted lasso that you you know like oh tottenham hotspur like, exactly yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And, and 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 i i appreciate more of the um uh, the nuance of of the sport that that's what it is is like detangling the sport i think some i think people see sports and they go that's complicated there's too much i don't i don't get it and what i like about these shows is that they untangle everything right right? it's like this is what we're doing we're going to tell you what you need to know right now today and now you get this kind of launching off point into the full there the full full force uh ufc would not be the company that it is today if it weren't for the fact that they branded into uh the ultimate fighter series and that was a reality show that did exactly what you guys are saying where people would follow these unknown fighters. They'd have, they'd have two characters. established yep. fighters be like the coaches of the two teams eventually it would lead to one big final fight or whatever. But like not only in terms of it being a successful enough television show that it brought in revenue to the company, but also was an entry point as a way for people to, to understand what it is. And I do think that at this point now you kind of have to like if you're not trying to do a reality sh- a documentary reality show that showcases your stars that showcases uh uh, uh for for a novice person like what your product is like i think you're 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 probably not doing it right and and not for nothing i think that extends even into the arts uh i think that the 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 biggest boon to the art of magic over the last 10 years has been Penn and Teller doing Fool Us, uh, a show that all but explains every trick on there. Like, like mm. what, what they do is they code it, like, here are seven words you can Google if you want to know how this is done. Yeah. But, but, but uh, by breaking down what goes into uh, uh, what seems like a throwaway, I don't know, it's magic. Uh, but uh, making a competition it, out of it. Correct. Like, it, it is a very, it is a very thin facade, but there is a competition going on. At correct. Yeah. Cor- correct. And, and then, and then meanwhile, you, you meet the people, you learn the hard work that goes into it. You see like why, uh, because again, you know, it's, it's, it's to their credit that Penn and Teller want to explain why they're impressed with the thing. Right. And in order to do that, you have to elevate literacy I, uh, of magic just a little bit. I think with the sports stuff too also is 
you know, having a narrative element like this or, you know, a show or something uh, brings in people who don't have, um, you know, like attachment to their location, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, we have a Formula One team in the US, but now I know most of the teams and I know some of the drivers and I'm starting to have, you know, pick out favorites and yeah. the drivers that I really don't like. And um, I think that's what that's what you need as the hook. I think once you have like, this is my team, boom, like you're you are you are in. Um, and it's tough to get through there because you have to get through all of the stuff. How do I watch it? When is it on? Who? What? All, like all this stuff. I, I, I think that's always been the nature of sports, but right. now the idea of a well-edited, uh, you know, ten-episode, thirty-minute per session package right. to bring you up to speed is, you know, because you, you, you don't you don't you don't need to know nothing about Wilt Chamberlain. Just you yeah. know, well, especially in the world of binge, right? Because they're also eminently bingeable. Right. If you are telling, like, you know, what, what what goes into a good show, dynamic characters, big action, and stakes that resolve. Yeah. Sports is great in that it gives you pretty much all that, especially when you don't have to shoot it in real time and you have high-definition cameras that can do slow-mo stuff. Even a... Also, that's the weird thing about this show. It is, I, it's the only Netflix show that I've seen that is partially in 60 frames per second Ooh. and so they do the like the netflix opening graphic in 60 frames per second oh, and it really? looks really weird yeah it looks really weird but 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 there is something about sports because uh, um uh, uh forgive me for working blue but like sports and pornography are the only things where you really want them to the the tv to look like it's a window to real things that are happening. Everything mm, else, sure. you want the, the 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 fantastical aspect that 24 frames a second or 30 frames a second gives you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, well, and even in, in, in uh, 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 sports, we, yeah, we, we almost want more hyper real, you know, like, like a lot of those, those big 8K cameras are now like mainstays and, uh, uh, you know, various different athletic events, but and with like Formula One, like you, they tap into all of the cameras. All of the cars have cameras. Yeah. All of the radios, they, they you can in, hear everything. They, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we, you know, we tried to watch the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend, and it got rained out. But we, for those like three or four hours, we were waiting. God, it was. It felt like forever. Oh, um, how realistic were those raindrops? <laughs> they looked like, like, oh my god, it's like we're being rained on. But it, w but it was cool to like see so much coverage that they had and see, you know, oh, they're trying to fix this car in time, and oh, they're this is these two, you know, this is the team and the officials talking about the weather. Like, like it was a lot of access that you wouldn't get at like football. Yeah, it's interesting, and that's and that that's that's the big question in terms of presentation is exactly how much you want to give and and who wants it, who doesn't want it. You know, uh, uh, I'm sure in in football it might be very interesting to some people to hear the plays being called mm. right and exactly what the plays names are, and so the, the 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 announcers would know what's coming or what's like what play is being run before it it, it happens, but the coaches wouldn't, and so it's like. F1 and and NASCAR have a, a an advantage there in that they're able to just say, ah, these are the rules. Congratulations. Everything you're saying is being recorded. If you don't like it, pound sand. Can can I ask a really dumb question? Sure. Uh, in football, do they still do huddles or is everything just radios? Uh both. Both, yeah. Yeah. So so they it, still they will gather well, no, no, together. No, no, no. Not a lot. So you will you will huddle in. Yeah. So only the quarterback has a radio in his Got head. it, got it. Okay. So it's like uh uh the quarterback gets the play, huddles up, tells everybody what the play is, and got then it. there's that, unless uh either 
they're in like a hurry up or something like that. In that case, the quarterback will just be calling the plays or be getting signals from right, the right, side. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, uh, Formula One colon Drive to Survive. It's on Netflix. It's great. And yeah, that's the other thing. It's, it's short. Like the three seasons they got are 10 episodes or so, and they're a little over a half hour. Uh, so you can you, you can get through it really quick. I, I think it's really cool. Cool beans. Uh, well, Andrew had to jo- drop off for a thing, but uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Weird Things podcast, everybody. It's been weird. He won the contest. He did. The bean contest. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.